The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. A tough week turned into a tough fortnight as we were knocked out the FA Cup uh, yesterday after losing 2-0 at home to Liverpool. To talk about the game, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Uh, good morning. Hello. Hello. Hello, yes, that's the tone we're looking for this morning. Slightly subdued. By the way, I, I did speak to Amy yesterday, who um, I think she let me get about four words in <laughs> in about half an hour as she vented. That's your coping strategy, isn't it, Amy, to, to sort of vent? Because we were wondering what the coping strategy is for uh, after a tough defeat. And we haven't, had, we haven't had to use these coping strategies too often in the last year and a half. But yesterday I spoke to Amy and, um, well... Press play and just off she went yesterday. <laughs> so, Addy, is that how you cope generally by ranting at a mate? Yeah, I think I think um, yeah, talking therapy is always useful. You know, when you're wading through a little bit of gloom, try to uh, understand what's going on and get some of the frustration out. So, um, yeah, it was either that or in I mean, my, you know, my case yesterday after the game, trying to sort of like shake it off. Didn't help when I had to take the dog out for his uh, little evening stroll. That still a lot of noisy scousers in uh, Highbury Fields. So right, didn't, didn't no get to escape that. quite quickly. No, I really didn't. And then <laughs> um, yeah, I came home and had to make some dinner and put on a podcast for company. So I chose the um, the Nick Wallace post office scandal. Just to cheer me up, really. So, yeah, yeah. A great evening all around. Gives you a sense of perspective, though, doesn't it? If you watch Sunning, if you, if you watch or listen to Sunning, where it's obviously worse than Arsenal losing an FA Cup third round tie. How bad that's is actually, that? I've watched the TV programme while I'm watching it. Um, I mean, it just makes your blood boil, doesn't it? It does make your blood boil. And, and I think that that is an interesting coping strategy. I mean, I, uh, well, if we're going that way, I would recommend Threads, the 1985 film about Sheffield being uh, having a nuclear attack and how that is really possibly the most depressing two hours. Ever. Let me tell you, you will forget the football after watching that. I, I, but, uh, Adrian, what about you? How'd you cope? Yeah, well, I don't... I'm, I'm very much a sport radio kind of bloke, but I will not, not listen to it uh, for a day or two. I'll definitely put music on in the car instead. Um, music normally cheers me up anyway. Even your music, even mine. Yeah, I like a I like a sing sing along to to whichever tunes I've got on my uh, database. Yeah. <laughs> They're not as cool as Amy's. We know that, no, but no, it's, no, all right. no. it's all right. It's all right. Um, so yeah, music definitely. I mean, last night I had a few beers. I met a couple yeah. of mates, that and help. and and that definitely. Definitely helped. But but for me, I mean, the best therapy for me is actually the post-match show that I do on The Breakdown Live because I've got to, I've got to assess it there and then and, and sort of be uh, quite clinical about it and unemotional. So it, it immediately gets me into sort of the analytical viewpoint rather than the, you know, f- f- fed up emotional side to it. So, um, so yeah, that's probably how I, how I deal with it. I, I'm not a dweller. I'm not a dweller, Stoney. I, I, I'm very much, I'm pretty good at parking crap stuff. 
I'll just go, that that belongs over there now. I'm moving on. I'm not bad at that. I'm ringing you, Adrian, next time. Yeah, I'm bad at a lot of things, but I'm quite good at parking the, parking the rubbish bits. Yeah, uh, uh, all right. I mean, I'm slightly insulted, Amy, that you think that, yeah, uh, that Amy will just chill you out more than I do. But okay, for, I wasn't even first choice, apparently. There were a number of people that Amy tried to ring before she finally got through to me. In terms of, I mean, I, intro, I absolutely understand that, not dwelling. They say if you have a bad gig, you shouldn't uh, dwell on it past breakfast the next mm, morning, yeah. basically. I mean, I'm told this. I don't really have bad gigs, but I'm told that that is, uh, <laughs> that is the case. I was drinking yesterday. I, I, not much. I had I had a glass of mulled cider, all right? They happened to be serving it in the pub. Amy's face when I'm saying that. Let me tell you, you don't don't knock it until you've tried it, all right? It was, it was warm. I could hold the glass and warm up my hands because, by the way, it was freezing cold yesterday at the game. Uh, and it had a nice uh, feel to it. It definitely helped. Uh, also, watching uh, um, videos of babies laughing, that really cheers me <laughs> It does, by the way, but everyone's got their go-to. Ian, that sounds quite weird. Are you sure you want that included in the broadcast? Uh, what? I don't understand what... Really? Does it sound weird? Does it sound weird, baby? I know, Adrian, be the arbiter here. Are you on Team, it tickled team me. Stony or Team Amy? It tickled Amy? it. It tickled you like that? Okay, all right. See, okay. we're more Very sentimental than go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, do your they're thing. really sweet. I'm going to show you some videos. I'm going to send you some videos of babies laughing. They're very, very cute. By the way, we got contacted by Sam from New York. I was wondering, Sam said, what's the dumbest thing you've done that you could reasonably attribute to an Arsenal loss? We won't go into this, but I'll tell you Sam's story. After the Liverpool game, he got a haircut. He goes, so I went to take out cash for the barber. About halfway through my haircut, I realised that I'd taken my bank card but had left the cash sticking out of the machine. Uh, $100, not an insignificant amount. I'm assuming that wasn't all for the haircut, Sam. Otherwise, this is a very good barber. Anyway, I immediately ran out to see if the money was still there, but of course it wasn't. Brackets, I live in New York City. I'm usually in a daze after a loss, but this is a new level of absent-minded distraction. Uh, incidentally, said Sam, I was supposed to be at the match having won a ticket on the ballot, but had to change my flight back home for my admission to the New York bar on Monday. Probably for the best. The New York bar, he's, he's going to be a lawyer. He's going to be a lawyer. Wow. He's, going to be he's a not going to miss that $100, is he? He's no. Not <laughs> that will be your minute charge, will it, Sam? But anyway, well I done. I thought the New York bar was where he was going to go and get a mulled cider. Nice, so nice. For a second there. I like the way your mind was working. <laughs> Anyways, he said, love the show. Thanks for being there to help us get through times like these together. Uh, he yeah. also did a PS saying, did Ian book another cruise? Who can we blame for that result? Uh, not till September next year. Uh, so sorry for the early season slump, but hopefully mostly it'll be in the international break. Anyway, <laughs> Arsenal nil, Liverpool 2. Adrian, we have taken 63 shots and scored one goal in the last three games. Our XG in the last three games. We've scored one. Our XG was 6.5. Opponents have scored six and their XG is 2.5. So obviously problems at both ends, but we know where the main problems are. We just can't score. In the last three games, we've had 11 big chances, missed 10 of them. One win in seven. We're creating chances, but we're not taking them. We're what not. What is going on? Is that is it as simple as that, Adrian? Um... I think it it, it's, it goes slightly beyond just just poor form in front of goal. I think we've spoken before about you know adding more variety and getting those patterns of play shaken up a little bit, trying a few different things. But this particular game and, and the West Ham one, 
was down to wastefulness in front of goal. It, you know, it is, a, it is a problem. I was looking at the, the numbers and in terms of conversion rates and we're, we're the 10th most clinical team in the Premier League. And unfortunately, the 10th most clinical team is very unlikely to win the league or, or to win, win a cup competition. So you, you've got to get that side of things right. It's mendable, I think. But but yeah, it's in general, open play has been an issue for us, hasn't it? We've been so dominant. We've produced some lovely stuff, really tormented teams, yet we've scored 19 open play goals in 20 league matches. This is league only, but I mean, you know, one a game, you know, that ranks us 13th, by the way, in the Premier League. City have scored 32 open play goals. Liverpool have scored 31. That's that's the difference. And we've got to close that gap. And I, th- I think it's in part, you know, the st- structural tweaks, but but mainly just hard work on the training ground, you know, sh- to sharpen up those patterns and, and the finishes. You know, it has, it has to be hard work. Do you remember at the beginning of the season, Arsenal employed a finishing coach or an attacking coach? Hussein Issa, uh, formerly known as Tekka's Guru. And, uh, you know, it just begs the question, last season, <laughs> I'm not blaming this guy, obviously I don't know him from Bar Soap, but, you know, it's it's an unfortunate coincidence or not, but 88 goals last season, which was a, a Premier League record for Arsenal. And, you know, it's very interesting because I suppose when, you, when you're the manager and you're projecting, you know, you take yourself in Mikel's shoes to the summer, you're reflecting on what's happened last season and you're thinking, what can we change yeah. and what can we make better and what are the things that didn't work and what are the things that need improving? And I guess it's human nature that you you look at the best case scenarios more than the worst case scenarios. So if you've got a team that scored the 88 goals and you've not, say, sold half your goal scorers, you could reasonably expect something similar from the next season. So I would suggest that Mikel Arteta might be a bit frustrated and bemused by all of this because there's, you know, similar personnel out there and, the, you know, the numbers are, are, are really poor by comparison. There is an undisputed regression. Uh, is it psycholo- psychological? It's hard to assume that it isn't in some part. Mm. Or a lot of a part. Well, Mikel said that yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, and, and I think invariably managers are, are not inclined to go down that road. So that's quite a big admission, but I'm sure he's trying to work through it himself. But it, this hesitancy, it's like a vicious cycle. The players get into a, 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 a position to score. There's an extra touch. There's a, you know, there's just a moment of hesitation. The chance goes away. The, 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 the sense of... Um, confidence draining or inhibitions rising starts to get to work and then the next chance comes and there's more hesitation because you're feeling a little bit inhibited and underconfident it but it it is an affliction that's across the team unfortunately you know sometimes you have this sort of thing and you just need someone you just needed one of them to score the goal in the first half yeah but you know the more that there's this kind of collective sense of like we can't score it feels like it weighs very heavily across the board and I think this trip to Dubai has come at an urgent time, yeah, really. It's a perfect time. Um, not just a good time, but an urgent time because they need to relax and reset and, re- and remember what they can do. But it just felt like, you know, some of the chances that fell yesterday, it feels like almost yesterday 
that every time the ball fell to Odegaard and he cocked his leg, he felt he was going to finish it and he invariably did. Every time Saka got into that position where he could curl it into the far corner, you expected it to go in and he normally did. And now it feels like all those instincts are just off, you know, it yeah. happens. But the but the critical element is it's it's happening to a lot of them at the same time. At the same That's time. That's what's killing yeah. Arsenal at the moment. I mean, the most uninhibited shot, Adrian, yesterday was Ben White, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it fell yeah. to him outside the area and he just put his laces through it and walloped it, which if Kai Havertz had done a couple of times or Martin Erdegaard had, I mean, everyone thought he was going to shoot on the edge of the penalty area in the first half yesterday and he lays it across. Or Reese Nelson going through. Yeah. Try it with your left. Try it with your left. I mean, there were a number of <laughs> shots. I mean, Amy, that's what you said to me, but I was well, basically going to say... the guy behind say, me was... Uh... Who was there with his boy, and I wondered whether he coached his boy um, at grassroots football because he was just going left foot, and then he goes, "If that was you, I'd haul you off." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a pass, yeah. by the way, from Rambo. That was that was that. You know, that's another way of unlocking the door that that we are working on, and you know, you only, you only get one of those a game because you, you don't catch teams like Liverpool off guard that way more than once. But yeah, that was a massive chance. I think he had plenty of time to to take the shot on rather than go around the goalie. And can I just can I just interject at this point? Mm. Has David Raya done that at all this season? Has David Raya played a pass like that? Because as soon as Rambo played that pass, there's 11 of us who sit together and we all looked at each other and went, oh yeah, that's right. He used to do that to Martinelli on a regular basis last season. I don't see, I haven't seen oh, David Raya do that. I think has he has. He, he, he oh, can right, leather it, David Raya, believe me. Do you know what? One other thing I've spotted the last couple of games, and this is something that, you know, you talked about Dubai there, Amy, and I agree. I think you've got to rest for a few days, but not too long. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot of work to do. You know, there's a lot of work to do on the patterns of, of attack. There's a lot of work to do on finishing practice. Because that, you know, it, repetition helps. It definitely does. There's a lot of work to be doing on defending set pieces. And I think there's a little bit of work to be done on fitness. Because we have flagged a little bit in the second half of games. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you feel this as well, but... A lot of people have been saying it, Adrian. Yeah. They looked tired against Fulham. They looked a little bit tired at the end of yesterday's well, I've game. Got some, I've got some numbers, because I thought... I looked just before we started the show, I thought, I'm going to look at our second half record across the last four games. And it's not good. Liverpool, we had six second half shots, none on target. West Ham, we battered them. 21 shots, six on target. Then Fulham, five shots in the second half, none on target. And in the Liverpool game, five second half shots, none on target. So that's three second halves out of four where we haven't had a shot on target. And that that's not great. You know, we need more impact from the bench. Maybe we need Mikel to be a little bit more decisive there at times. He left the subs late, didn't he, in this game. But it feels like we run out of gas more now than, than I can remember in the last season and a half. Amy, I mean, I, I'm assuming you'd concur with that. The figures do certainly suggest that. But is that, to a certain extent, to do with not getting the subs on quick enough? I mean, Eddie's sub was, what, 81 minutes when we went 1-0 down. It, it, it felt... It was reactive, wasn't it? He took Jorginho off and put Eddie on. And I'd been sat there for 10 minutes saying, we've got to get Eddie on. Emil gets another, what, five or six minutes at the end of the game? 86 minutes, I think that was... I mean, I mean... I'm not sure I want to say the word out loud that I'm thinking, but I didn't think that was a 
a substitution that sends out a kind message. No, and it's not using the bench. I mean, if the players are looking tired, get get some off after 60 minutes and put someone else on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard sometimes when you're always looking at these things with your captain hindsight yeah. glasses on. And I think, um, you know, I can understand, given the way that our, I think look, Arsenal played really well in the first half and on another day, they, they're one or two up and that's probably Three that. Up. Well, Could have yeah, been. Yeah, easily. I'm, I'm being yeah. concerned. Yeah. But, but it's... <sighs> Bukayo looks really jaded. So, mentally, I think. You know, physically, we all know he's such a strong boy. Did you see Canate bounce off him yesterday? It was absolutely amazing. He's so strong. <laughs> but he doesn't look jaded. He didn't look jaded in the first half. Like, he, he's someone, I think, particularly, has been a first-half player lately. Yes, but what... what, what I th- sorry, I maybe rephrase that. What I think I mean is that he just looks like his his radar's a bit mm, off, like yeah. his instincts are not quite as active and as switched on as, as they are. I, I don't think he looks as relaxed in his decision-making and and his execution. You know, maybe in his mind, it's like, I'm going to hit it like this, and there's this that fraction of like, and it... It just doesn't quite come off. So sub him, you know. And it's easy at the end of the end of the game. You go, oh, well, you know, why well, didn't make the change there? Or you could have tried this, or you could have tried that. But I can also understand because essentially all managers, I think, want to keep their best players on the pitch if they're in a bit of a pickle, just as they think they might have that moment of magic. But doesn't that then suggest that he doesn't trust? the fringe players as much. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe the fact he doesn't. That he, the fact he that he didn't start Eddie and Ketia yesterday, he started Kai Havertz instead. Yes, but that's Kai not played, just... Kai, Kai played well I thought, well. I thought exactly... I'm, I'm not talking I about liked... that. I'm just talking about the fact that Eddie would be the natural replacement for Gabriel Jesus. Would he not? Yes, but not if you're trying something different. And I think that... Uh, I think we've seen a lot of Eddie as a, 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 the replacement for Gabriel Jesus. And I think that looking at the game... Uh, and the, the situation, the players available. I think that's the right call. When I saw the the lineup, I thought Havertz as, as the centre forward looked absolutely, you know, worth a go. And with the frustration is that I think if he had killer instinct in his bones, well, what a player he'd be as an, as that front man. Well, Wrighty did the uh, Wrighty did a a tweet yesterday saying we need a killer. Yeah, but that's not that doesn't seem to be his his vibe, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not his vibe. But I I did I did I did like I did like structurally how Arsenal looked with him up there rather than either Eddie or Gabriel Jesus. The movement was fantastic. The movement was great. He's got a different kind of presence. He holds that position more than uh, Gabriel Jesus, who goes, you know running off here, there and everywhere to try and find a ball and sucked into different positions. So I liked it, apart from the finishing. Now, well, quite, Adrian, sorry, can I just ask a quick, can I ask you a question? Amy mentioned to me yesterday on part of the the rant, the (laughs) post-game rant, uh, she was talking about personalities Mm. and she said... All right, you you essentially what we've done from last season, there are there are it's not that many changes. Declan Rice has replaced Thomas Partey, mm-hmm. and we go, okay, that's there is an upgrade. Declan mm-hmm. Rice has been absolutely fantastic this year. The other two uh changes uh is basically uh Kai Havertz has replaced Granite Xhaka and uh, David Raya has replaced Aaron Ramsdale. And what Amy said yesterday was about 
These are two big personalities that have been taken out of the team. Now, it's not like we're having a terrible season. We're whatever it is, four or five points off the top. We're in the uh, Champions League we were top you know what okay fair enough we were top a fortnight ago but we're in the mix yeah. that's the point but we have lost two very very big personalities out of that team does that make a difference to a team particularly a young team it's hard to it's hard to say it wouldn't make a difference isn't it yeah because because character you know a team is made up of different characters you spend so much time with one another and on the pitch, I think last year there was a real bond, wasn't there? And everyone, everybody trusted one another and everybody knew each other's games inside out. And I agree, they are two, two large characters and they've been replaced by two kind of shy characters, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, quite different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think the team has lost some personality. I think that that is hard to argue with. It doesn't mean that... that, that that's always going to be the case. It could be that that both players, you know, warm up and and become integ integral characters within the side, or that it, it could provoke one of the quieter members from last year to step forward and and to be more of a leader within that that dressing room. That's what has to happen, really. So yeah, it, it yeah, it's it's happened. It's had an impact, I think, and we have to we have to deal with it, don't we? It's um, yeah, very really frustrating. Okay, it's time to go beyond the frame with Google Pixel. James McNicholas was at the Emirates last night and has something you might have missed from the Liverpool game. Beyond the frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. Hello there, James McNicholas here with Athletic. Arsenal have just been beaten 2-0 by Liverpool in the FA Cup third round and are out of the competition. Uh, the story of the game was the missed chances from Arsenal's perspective. And afterwards, Mikel Arteta in his press conference conceded that it may be becoming a psychological issue. Well, I would suggest it has to be because I was in the stadium watching the warm-up and as always, the players ended by doing their shooting drills uh, in front of the goal. And the likes of Kai Havertz, the likes of Bukai Saka, the likes of Reese Nelson, who all had standout misses in the game, were tucking away chances beautifully, really comfortably. Havertz curled one ball into the far corner immaculately. And yet, when the game was happening and the pressure was on, these players couldn't quite get their feet sorted out, couldn't get the shots away that they wanted to. So interesting, the difference, I suppose, between the technique that the players possess and their execution in those vital moments. But it's costing Arsenal very dear right now. Beyond the frame. With Google Pixel. We'll be back very shortly. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. For most of us, January means New Year's resolutions. But for the footballing world, January means one thing. Transfers. 
There's a lot going on, and to stay on top of every move that matters, you need the Athletic Football Podcast. They were prioritising somebody like Mason Mount. Five days a week, we'll help you cut through the noise with the most reliable reporters in the industry. David Ornstein, Adam Crafton, Laurie Whitwell, and many more will not only tell you what the deal is, but how it happened too. So make sure you don't miss a single transfer beat in January with the Athletic Football Podcast. Listen for free wherever you get your shows and hit follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence, and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off. Adrian, you want to talk about the uh, the fatigue a little bit more? A little bit more, yeah. I just think that in the first half, one of the, the, the big shining lights of that first half performance, which was excellent, by the way, was was the way that we won the ball high up the pitch. We got after them. We got in their faces. We won the ball tigerishly inside their own half over and over and over again. And we created some of our best chances from that. It didn't happen in the second half. It didn't. And and that has to be again down to fatigue and, and jadedness. I think that Liverpool tweaked things a bit and Trent Alexander-Arnold came into midfield more and he kept turning us, didn't he, with those long diagonal balls to Darwin Nunez, who, who who moved to the left. And that changed the sort of pattern and dynamic of the game. Um, but in the first half, he wouldn't have had time to look up and, and drill those passes. So it's not just in regards to our finishing and our final third play where second half fatigue impacts us. It also hurts us defensively. And, and I think that's what we've seen a little bit of late where we've been more stretched, more rattled in the second half of, of matches. And I think, I can't say it's fitness per se, but for whatever reason, we, we don't seem to be able to put a 90 minute performance together at the moment. Uh, and we need to. Amy, we used to overwhelm teams a little bit last year, didn't we? The, the sheer energy of the team. And that doesn't seem quite there this season, does it? No, I think most people would agree that Arsenal haven't played with the same verve and kind of like energy overall. The other thing I think that feels significant is that the team had developed quite a good habit of kind of responding to setbacks. And at the moment, it feels really like that that asset has dulled and that's a really important thing to have in football when you or in any competition when you feel that you can respond when things aren't going well go again pick yourself up and change the record essentially but it doesn't feel at looking at the current team in its current state that that's something that they can summon Amy, talk about the youth players. There's been a bit of a noise around Mikel Arteta seeming to have unwillingness to use academy players. We saw what happened yesterday with uh, Jurgen Klopp. He brought on two young kids, Bobby Clark and Connor Bradley. So, they're, and they're also first team debuts for Man City and Chelsea against lower league sides. But um, in the end, there has to be a pathway. It feels a bit 
like there's a bit less of a pathway now, Amy, or do you think it, it was right now under pressure is not not the time to judge that? Good question. I think you probably have to look at opportunities for young players over a broader period than sort of one game in isolation or a few games and in the context of the season. And I think it's a really hard balancing act for a man. I think ideally speaking, you you don't throw a kid on when you're under pressure, uh, asking them to change a game or save a game. I imagine it's quite frustrating for some of those young players who, who are desperate for an opportunity and, you know, maybe they do have that slightly untarnished level of confidence that comes with youth. But it's it's hard because you throw you want to throw, uh, throw a kid on against, you know, a massive lump like Canate. You know, do you want to throw a kid on to try and contest with Trent in midfield? Do you want to throw? It's, it's not easy. And, you know, I think in terms, I think in some ways the draws in the Cups have been a little bit unlucky for Arsenal this year and even having Champions League group stage rather than a Europa League group stage to navigate is a different temperature of of situation to try and be thinking okay I'm gonna give some opportunities to some of the youth the League Cup draw wasn't kind the FA Cup draw wasn't kind it's hard for those kids who you know every year must feel like an eternity when you're waiting for an opportunity but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think we we have to have a bit more information about, you know, what the manager is seeing in, in these kids and how how they're trying to give them those opportunities versus, I think the, the one that was the most interesting was the last group game of the Champions League and that's what annoyed people. PSV, um, yeah. Because, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, again, I could see that Mikel's thinking, I need to give competitive game time bit of freshness to fringe players who I'm going to need over the festive period. So he prioritised the immediacy of that situation for the squad rather than the longer term aspect of giving opportunities to the younger players. Whether that was right or wrong, it's hard to say, but I could see why he did it, even though it's always so uplifting when you see a young player coming on. I mean, it is difficult, Adrian, because, you know, as Amy says, you've got players that you may need later in the season and you need to give them game time. But we were 5-0 up against Lons at half-time and that PSV match. You know, there were moments when you could have bought a few of them on just to give them, give them, you know, just to show them how much you love them. Yeah. And and there does seem to be, it's very much, you know, it's not even, it's not. we're not even talking about youth players at this point. He doesn't even really want to bring the subs on that much, does he? No, he doesn't want to give, it's like not wanting to give caps away, you know, as an international manager, he doesn't want to give appearances away. I think he's of the mindset that you get in on merit, you know, or not at all. And and I understand that, that mentality. I think the the Lons game was definitely one in the PSV where, where they could have been used and maybe... Yeah, if, if I'd have been the manager or you'd have been the manager, Stoney, I think we probably would have given a couple of those kids a game because it does lift everybody. It helps their own development as well, of course. A lot of this is around circumstance and, and Liverpool have a lot of absentees at the moment and that's why their bench was full of kids. It wasn't that he left a load of senior players at, at home on Merseyside. That's all he had. We we didn't have that, that, that shortfall. 
We didn't have an easy game. You know, City had a really easy home game. Same with Chelsea. Of course you can, you know, winning comfortably. Of course you can bring on the kids. It's, it is about circumstance and, and circumstances have conspired against our academy players this season. No doubt about it. What can you do? They're just going to have to maybe go out on loan and, and be brilliant and be so good that no one can ignore them. That's, that's my best advice to them. If you look at the evidence, generally, he, Mikel Arteta does promote youth players, but but to a certain extent, I mean, when he bought, I think it was Smith Rowe and Saka in against Chelsea in that very early on when he first came in, it was more to do with the fact that no one was available, as far as I can remember, Needs rather most. than, yeah. oh, let's just give him a go. Um, but maybe we'll judge this over a, a longer period of time. And we did mention the winter break before our break. Adrian, it is the perfect time. I mean, Mikel Arteta said, what I beg of the supporters is that they are behind the team. Do you sense it is a different atmosphere down the Emirates this season? The expectation is different. It's a good time, I think, for Mikel to to say to the supporters, you know, get get behind the team. I mean, I mean, Martin Odegaard was uh, was getting the Liverpool fans going yesterday. <laughs> we did see that. So Martin, just maybe the home fans next time. But um, but the fans maybe just need a little reset as much as the players. I think we all do. Yeah, I think so. It's been a it's been a bit of a tortuous Christmas period. It's you know the wheels have come off to a degree, um, but the season's still very much alive. You know, we gutted to be out of the FA Cup. I am. I wanted just I wanted to go to Wembley. I wanted just to win it for the 15th time because we're capable of it this team needs a trophy but you know we're still well in the hunt for Premier League we're well in the hunt for for Champions League but yeah we could just do with this little reset and the team absolutely do Um, I want them to have a good time I want them to you know bond over there in Dubai and have a real good laugh but at the same time a lot of a lot of hard work I think needs to be done and maybe some hard words and a lot of conversations about about you know how can we improve how can we take it to the next level um those conversations need to be had and I think that going away as a team gives you that opportunity because people aren't going home you've got a lot of time to kill Mikel can go and sit down with every player in that squad and go through you know evaluate what they're what they're doing what they could be doing better uh he can work with units I think it's an invaluable time no one needed this break more than us no, I think that's true. But let's not forget, Amy, they've scored, they scored 88 goals last season, these players. We're in the Champions League round of 16. We've got two weeks off uh, to, as Adrian said, to reset and get their heads in gear and uh, come out firing for the second half of the season. Well, it's imperative. I agree with Adrian. There does need to be some tough words as well as some words of love. Because can you imagine what the atmosphere is and the chat would be like if when things restart, things are not improved? I think their pressure would be monumental and I think that it it would arguably be the second toughest part of Mikel Arteta's career at Arsenal if things don't turn around quickly. I agree. Amy, what song have you got for us? Taking inspiration from Righty Killer by Adamski and Seal. Adrian, what about you? <laughs> Adamski, Killer. <laughs> That's exactly the same one I had. Exactly the same one. Well, blow me down, Adrian. It's the first time for everything. (laughs) We're agreeing on the song. It had to be. I thought, as soon as I saw that tweet, I thought, that's a song. I know that song. I 
was going to go for Killing Joke for something a bit darker. I'd have had the killers, to be honest with you, but fair enough. Uh, I've got Get Back by the Beatles. Get Back to Where You Once Belonged, which is top of the league, which is where we were this time last season. Get back. Thanks to Amy and thanks to Adrian. Thanks to Jay, our producer, and thank you for listening and for your correspondence. We do appreciate it. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. (laughs) 